Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. We were hoping to speak uh, to uh, we were hoping to speak to Ruth and Margot Rabinovitz. I believe Margot Margot is joining us this morning. Ruth uh, not able to do so. Margot, thanks for uh, holding on. How are you doing? Good morning, Howard. I'm doing very well, thank you. And I'm really sorry my mom can't join. She was so hoping to, but she's very ill right now, unfortunately. Oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. Really wishing her well and uh, a full and speedy recovery. The the uh, but what's fascinating is she wrote a tribute letter, which which I would imagine is going to form part of her bio- autobiography, where she deals with some of her time in South African Parliament. Yes, the, she's just finished an autobiography describing her 15 years in the parliament as a medical doctor, a Jewish housewife, you know, with absolutely no, no background in politics, no experience in politics, but she ended up serving in the Senate for the IFP and her autobiography covers those 15 years and the years before and after. But the letter is really just a very a brief summary and overview of the kind of the tumultuous historical period she describes in her book and also her personal journey. So how did she she's, land she's, up how did she land up getting involved with with the IFP? Uh, it's a, it was a very random path as most great experiences mm. in life tend to come from but actually in 1993 I was president of the law students council at mm-hmm. Wits, and our council organized a conference on the new constitution and mm-hmm. my mom attended the conference, you know, as a supportive mom would do. <laughs> and she, she heard all of the different representatives of the parties speaking about what the policies of those parties are. And she found herself very drawn to the principle of federalism that the Encarta representative Mario Ambrosini was talking about. He was Bottoletti's legal advisor. Right. And from that, she, she started to get involved in the Democracy Trust, which was a private lobby group to try to encourage a federal system in the new constitution, modeled on the American constitution. And she, she soon found herself, um, helping a lot of the Encarta representatives who are standing in the elections. She wrote a lot of op-eds in the leading newspapers in South Africa. She wrote some speeches for people. She became more and more prominent. And actually, just before the elections, Bortoletti asked her, would you like her place on the list? And she said, well, put me low down. I don't want to be a member of parliament. I've got my medical practice. I've got my husband. I've got my, my three kids, actually. Her three kids had just left. We'd all gone to study overseas at the right. end of that year. And, um, you know, she still felt she had responsibilities and she's, and her dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so she said, no, she said, she said, no, thanks. And then. She was called by Bottolesi, and he said, would you like to be on the Senate? And she said, well, give me a day to think about it. And she called us three kids. She started with my brother Daniel, who was at my oldest brother, who was at uh, NYU in New York. And he, you know, everyone's answer was in character with their personalities. Right. He said to her, you know, you, you know, politics is a den of vipers. If you can stay true, if you can, if you can stay true to your values in that fray, then go for it. And she called me. I was at Cambridge University in England, and I said to her, you know, Mom, you've always been a crusader. You've always, you know, had this mission to change the world. Now's your chance. So go for it. Incredible. And my younger brother said he was at Stanford, and he said, Mom, Mom for president? Yeah. Heck, go for it, sure. So we all were very much into it. My father also thought it was a great idea. And within two days, 
she found herself in Parliament, a place she'd actually gone to for her honeymoon. That was the last time she'd been there. And, um, yeah, it was a roller coaster. She was on the Constitutional Committee. She was a real maverick. She did push for things that she believed in very strongly. And her book is actually called Moses, Mandela, Botelesi, and Me, because that trajectory also is can be tracked back to her Jewish beliefs yeah. and her, her looking at the laws of Moses and, you know, what what the Ten Commandments and the laws of Moses tell us about a good way to, to, to govern society and our own lives and our connection to a broader community and to our creator. And she felt that the Ubuntu principle mm. in the Zulu culture was very resonant with that. Uh, it's you know, it's the, just an incredible, an, an, an incredible, incredible story, and I, fi- I find myself feeling very nostalgic when you talk about this oh. because because it was a bit of a magical time there where you had people like uh, Butelezi who who didn't care if somebody was uh, a white Jewish woman or or it, it, it didn't matter. It's what they brought, the value that they brought, and the principles, and as you say, the being being true to a value system that actually united people more than anything else did. And uh, I just, uh, you know, listening to it, I wish we could go back to something like that. And, of course, nothing in the past is perfect. And, you know, we, we, yeah. we lived through those transitions of the 90s, and it, was, it wasn't always that simple. But, but when we hear about people like, uh, like your mom and, and uh, like uh, Butelezi, who, who came from completely different worlds, but yet together could share a vision and a dream and add value to this new democracy. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, you said it very eloquently. I think also my mom, you know, my mom was changed very much by it and humbled by it, by that whole exposure to the, she'd been a very strong individual before and you know, she, she speaks about herself as a reed at that time, just an individual blowing in the wind. Absolutely and incredible. it was a very, very stormy time. And she describes how the Zulus, the, 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 the Zulu leaders, the traditional leaders in Butelesi, they were like reeds all bound together, really, really strong and united. And she changed through that whole experience. She became humbled and she, she took a lot from it all. And the book details that and, and her transformation and other people's transformation. Because as you say, there were quite a few people in her position and everyone was kind of scrabbling to learn the ropes mm, mm. And, well, and, and find the courage to speak their own truth. Well, that's, that's what it is as well. I think it was a time of courage. The, the, when, when do you think this book will be available? She's finished the manuscripts, thank heavens. And right. it's now, oh. we're, we're, it's lovely. I've read it. It's a wonderful read. Yeah, and, I can't um, wait for it no. to, to be published and, uh, you know, and make, and, uh, and find it available. Absolutely incredible. We are unfortunately out of time, but really, really such an interesting, such an interesting perspective and something that certainly I wasn't aware of to that extent. And I'm sure our listeners weren't either. So uh, I really do appreciate you bringing it to our attention and speaking to us about it, giving us insight into a very, very interesting and magical time and uh, the involvement of Dr. Ruth Rabinovitz, who was a former member of a Parliament in South Africa. We've been chatting to Margot Rabinovitz. She's a businesswoman. She's daughter of Ruth and uh, giving us that perspective, 732.